section eight of the three lieutenants this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the three lieutenants by william henry giles kingston chapter seven a ball at antigua hurricane puts a stop to the dancing a ride through the storm murray's ride with stella and a declaration colonel o'regan and his daughter sail in the sarah jane the inhabitants of antigua are noted for their hospitality the officers of the two ships received as many invitations as they could accept with the loan of horses whenever they chose to ride they lived on shore in airy barracks far pleasanter quarters than the close cabins of the ships afforded the colonel and his daughter were living at a cottage in the neighbourhood murray was stella's constant attendant when she rode and a frequent visitor at the cottage if her father remarked the attention paid her by the young lieutenant he did not consider it necessary to interfere perhaps he had ascertained that murray was well off and thought it best to let matters take their course or perhaps absorbed in his own schemes it did not occur to him that his daughter who seemed so devoted to the cause he advocated could do so weak a thing as fall in love at all events alick lived in an elysium partly created by his imagination and did not allow the future to interfere with his present happiness jack and adair still thought stella very charming but observing alick's devotion to her they would have considered it a gross breach of friendship to attempt cutting him out she had other admirers but she certainly gave them no encouragement the midshipmen of the frigate thought their captain spoony and the captain's clerk of the tutor was guilty of a most reprehensible breach of confidence if he spoke the truth in whispering that he had one day discovered on the commander's desk a sonnet addressed to stella's eyebrow the fact however was doubted as captain babicome had never been suspected of possessing the slightest poetical talent nor had a book of poetry ever been seen in his cabin still insisted the clerk love can work wonders it must have been poetry for the lines all began with capitals and were written in the middle of the page at length the ball took place the antiguan young ladies were full of life and spirit and danced to perfection never getting tired so that the officers had no lack of partners and voted it great fun there were many very pretty girls among them and several with much more of the rose on their cheeks than usually falls to the share of west indian damsels some censorious critic even ventured to hint that it was added by the hand of art that this was false was evident for the weather was so hot that had rouge been used it would have inevitably been detected but the island damsels trusted to their good figures and features and their lively manners and conversation rather than to any meretricious charms to win admiration 
stella was generally considered the most charming of the maidens present as undoubtedly she was the most blooming and she seemed to enjoy the ball as much as any one she danced with captain hemming and went through a quadrille with commander babbicome he then entreated her to perform a valse with him laughing heartily she advised him not to make the attempt even the quiet dance had reduced him to a melting mood why you have valsed twice with my second lieutenant he remarked his collar rising stella gave him a look which might have shown him that he had better have held his tongue the ball which began at a primitively early hour had been going on for some time when a fierce blast which shook the building to its very foundation swept over it a hurricane has burst on the island was the general exclamation will it be a heavy one the increasing tempest gave the response the naval captains thought of their ships the residents of their plantations not that there was much risk for the former as they were snugly moored but still it was impossible to say what might happen preparations were made by all the officers and several of the gentlemen for instant departure but of course the ladies could not face the tempest most of them however had not much heart for dancing when possibly before morning their houses would be roofless and their father's plantations laid low a few persevered in spite of the whirlwind raging over their heads but even they had at length to give up their host insisted on all his female guests remaining cloaks and shawls were collected and sofas and chairs brought into the ballroom which was turned into a dormitory for those who could not be accommodated in the other rooms stella wanted to accompany her father and was with difficulty persuaded to remain murray offered to ride back as soon as the gale was over to escort her and she smiled her consent the colonel declared that he must go to look after his friends and their cottage for he had no other excuse to offer the officers started on horseback but they could with difficulty sit their steeds or keep their naval cloaks around them as they faced the hurricane poor commander babbicome had a hard task to perform as his struggling steed plunged forward in the darkness and jack and adair who in compassion rode up to his assistance found him clutching tightly by the animal's mane as he shouted out steady now steady you brute what is the wind about that it cannot let a man sit his horse in quiet it was no easy matter however for the best of horsemen to keep their seats and in the more exposed situations it seemed as if rider and steed would be blown over together leaves dust stones branches of trees and even heavier objects came rushing through the air in dense clouds striking the travellers and obscuring their sight so that it was often impossible to see where they were going the colonel seemed to revel in the wild uproar of the elements and led the way through the darkness shouting to his companions to follow they were passing along a part of the road with tall trees on either side the dark branches above their heads could be seen waving wildly to and fro the tops bending before the blast ever and anon huge boughs were torn off and several fell sometimes in front sometimes directly behind them but no one had been struck then there came a fearful crash 
a large tree had fallen directly in front of them jack thought that the colonel had been crushed but no there he was sitting his horse as upright as ever he had had a narrow escape though on friends on he shouted it is more hazardous to stop than to push forward and he leaped his steed over the trunk captain hemming and murray followed their horses scrambling rather than leaping over the impediment jack and adair might have done the same but they would not desert the commander of the tudor by this time well-nigh frightened out of his wits several of the rest who made the attempt toppled over with their beasts on their heads leap my good fellows i could no more do it than fly exclaimed commander babacombe when he came to the tree you had better climb over and i'll bring your horse after you said jack if i get off i shall never get on again cried the commander bless my heart what shall i do better try than run the chance of being crushed here said jack at that moment another of the waving trees came crashing down close behind them cutting off all retreat had it been contemplated at the sound off tumbled commander babacombe and in another instant with more agility than he generally displayed he had scrambled over the trunk and pitched right in among the men and horses struggling to get on their legs on the other side happily no one was much hurt and some of his officers having assisted to place him on his feet he set off running as fast as his legs could carry him his steed relieved of its burden urged by jack and terence got over better than the rest and when they at length overtook him they managed to hoist him again into his saddle though he cut a somewhat undignified figure on this occasion they had no inclination to laugh at him for they believed him to be as brave as most men under ordinary circumstances on the deck of his ship they were both too very anxious about tom and gerald and they could only hope that if the drodger had not returned she was safe in some other port battered and bruised though they had escaped any serious accident the party at length reached the harbour the officers who had remained behind and all the men to be found had hurried on board the ships directly the hurricane burst additional hawsers had been got out the topmast had been struck and everything necessary had been done it was rather provoking to find that they might have remained on at the ball but satisfactory to feel that all was right and that they had done their duty in almost any other harbour in the west indies the case might have been very different they of course spent the rest of the night on board nothing had been seen of the drodger and jack and adair agreed that should she not appear in two or three days they would get leave to go in search of her she might have been wrecked on one of the neighbouring islands and the party on board be unable to obtain the means of returning by noon the next day the hurricane had ceased and murray accompanied colonel o'regan to st john's followed by a servant leading stella's horse and carrying her riding habit in every direction the havoc caused by the storm was visible cottages blown down or unroofed sugar-canes laid low fruit-trees upturned or stripped of their fruit in many places the road was almost impassable but labourers were at work with saws and axes clearing away the trunks which lay across it in the evening when the air was comparatively cool and refreshing murray rode back with stella 
the colonel was detained by a person on business just as they were setting off and begged that they would ride on saying that he would overtake them alex said more than he had ever before ventured to do stella turned away her head while he was speaking then lifting her eyes to his face with an expression in hers certainly not of annoyance or anger she answered you have your profession mr murray you assuredly do not contemplate quitting that and i am the daughter of one the world calls an adventurer i cannot desert him while he allows me to bear him company and i know not in what direction his fate may lead him perchance your regard for me may prove but a passing fancy and you would regret having bound yourself to one whom after we part on this occasion you may not meet again for years when she may be so changed as everything we see around us changes that you would not recognize her i know too well that this has been the case with others why not with us her voice trembled as she uttered the last sentences murray urged every plea which his honest affection prompted he had no fears of what she dreaded he trusted that before long he should obtain his promotion and then in these piping times of peace he might expect to remain for some time on shore and be able to occupy his highland home i dare not pledge my troth but there is no one for whose happiness i can more earnestly pray said stella looking at him with her bright eyes beaming as the most ardent lover could desire will that satisfy you yes dearest stella because i know that you would not trifle with one who has given you a true and faithful heart answered alec he had never before uttered such words and the tone of his voice showed the deep feeling which prompted them i believe you she said simply alec would rather have had a more demonstrative reply a rough road strewn with branches and other impediments to their progress was not favourable for such a conversation still as stella had not objected to the terms he had applied to her he had no reason to complain they rode on for some time in silence stella was the first to break it mr murray you need not feel yourself bound to speak to my father on the subject indeed i would rather that you should not she said he pays me the compliment of putting full confidence in my discretion and leaves me to act as i consider right i suspect that his affection prevents him from believing me otherwise than perfect and he thinks consequently that i am incapable of doing anything of which he would not approve in my eyes too you are perfect stella said alec that by your own reasoning is the best proof of affection i do not doubt yours mr murray i am sure of it and i am more than grateful answered stella looking up at him still affection should not blind us to the faults of those we love as in time the tinsel must wear off our idols and disappointment if not a painful reaction will be the result but all idols are not tinselled said alec the spotless parian marble i object altogether to idol worship interrupted stella i desire to be loved for myself i own but i would be so with all my faults and failings known 
could i be sure of them i would tell them to you but i cannot boast of having attained to the height of wisdom and learnt to know myself i must leave to you the task of discovering them and the means for their correction only let me entreat you to believe that they exist and perhaps are more numerous than you will think possible of course alick very sincerely protested that stella and imperfection could not be named together except as contrasts for he truly thought so she sighed and then smiled and the colonel cantering up cut short the interesting conversation interesting to the two persons concerned at all events stella i find that we must start for jamaica immediately he said if captain hemming cannot proceed there we shall be compelled to go by another vessel a brig now in the harbour i understand sails for port royal to-morrow and though i would defer our departure for three days longer unless either of the men of war is to sail by the end of that time we must not lose the present opportunity so soon ejaculated stella she said no more for she no more thought of inquiring the motive of her father's actions than of opposing his wishes alick watched her countenance it was graver and more sad than he had ever seen it her lip quivered but with a strong effort she recovered herself though she did not venture to trust her voice alick knew that captain hemming would not sail before the return of the draugr with his midshipmen or should she not appear until he had endeavoured to ascertain their fate the colonel asked murray's opinion alick gave it but advised him to apply to captain hemming on the possibility of his sending the tudor on to jamaica before the frigate his heart beat with hope that this might be done and stella's countenance brightened when he spoke of it their friends the houghtons with whom stella and her father were staying were much concerned when they heard of his determination but must your daughter accompany you colonel asked mrs houghton a good-natured motherly dame whose daughters were all married we shall be delighted if stella will remain with us and we will find her an escort when the frigate sails though for my part i would not hesitate to send a daughter of mine and a female attendant without one stella did not express her thanks for this proposal with the warmth which might have been expected the colonel accompanied murray to the barracks where they found the two captains the colonel stated his wishes captain hemming regretted that he could not sail in time to suit his convenience but if miss o'regan would remain with the houghtons he should be delighted to give her and her attendant a passage and any lady who might be able to accompany her he would however consult commander babacombe and ascertain whether the tutor could be got ready for sea in time commander babacombe was mute when the colonel had gone he expressed himself somewhat strongly to his superior he had heard reports concerning colonel o'regan's schemes and he had no wish to commit himself by carrying such a person on board his ship charming as miss o'regan might be considered by some he did not always go with the herd the captain of the frigate 
could send the tutor to sea but he could not compel a commander to give up his cabin to passengers so he did not press the point it would have been better for commander babbicome had he been more courteous but no more than other mortals could he foresee what the future was to bring forth colonel o'regan went on board the brig sarah jane though of so unwarlike a name she was a large rakish craft evidently very fast with square yards and taunt masts well fitted for a blockade runner or any work of that description and her skipper a dark big whispered fellow looked the man fit to command her he and the colonel shook hands as if they had before been acquainted and had a long conversation under the circumstances colonel we'll clear out for porto bello instead of port royal he said laughing for as you know we have a roving commission and we may find a better market for our goods on the spanish main than at a british port i expect to fall in with the sloop to the westward of st kitts when we may get some stores from her and proceed in company the colonel having concluded his arrangements returned to the cottage stella evinced no surprise when he communicated his change of plan am i to accompany you she asked in a faltering voice while her cheek became paler than usual at one time she would have entreated to be allowed to go without asking whither as the cabins of the brig are commodious and the frigate is not likely to sail for some time i shall be glad of your society answered the colonel not remarking her increasing agitation should the state of affairs not be more propitious than of late i intend returning forthwith to jamaica where i will leave you with your relatives the bradshaws while i go back once more to await the course of events you will thus probably reach jamaica sooner than you would have done had you waited for these laggard men of war stella had become calm again while her father uttered the last sentences she expressed her readiness to do as he wished and said truly that she wished ever to be with him though she might have added that she pined for the time when he would be content to abandon his schemes and settle in some quiet home either in britain or one of her colonies as he had at times talked of doing when his restless spirit was for a time quelled by weariness or disappointment kind mr and mrs houghton pressed her to remain with them and to go on to jamaica in the frigate they feared with good reason that stella would be exposed to all sorts of dangers if she accompanied the colonel they had no confidence in his schemes and they thought him very wrong in wishing to take her with him though they did not tell her so i will assist you my dear to get over one of your difficulties for i dare say you do not think it quite the thing to be alone on board the frigate without a chaperone exclaimed mrs houghton coming into stella's room i have long promised to pay a visit to my daughter julia and her husband whose estate is next to the bradshaws and i intend to ask captain hemming to give me a passage what do you say stella your father cannot object to my plan it is so evidently the right one shall i tell him that you agree to it it was a severe trial for stella but she was resolute in doing what she believed to be her duty she thanked mrs houghton warmly for her kindness she was however under orders as a soldier's daughter she had learnt obedience 
unless her father commanded her to remain at antigua she must embark in the brig what effect the arguments of alec murray might have produced it is impossible to say he unfortunately was detained by duty on board the corvette and did not reach the cottage till late in the evening not aware of colonel o'regan's altered plans he was thunderstruck when he heard of them and very much inclined to quarrel with the colonel who did not seem to be aware that he was inducing his daughter to make any unusual sacrifice thanks to mrs houghton's management alec and stella were alone for a short time she did not disguise from him how much the parting cost her but entreated him to keep up his spirits in the hope that they might soon again meet in jamaica alec with rogers and adair accompanied stella and the colonel on board the brig the next morning the two latter knew that they were not intruding on their friend they warmly entered into his feelings though they might have doubted that stella's affection for him was as deep as he supposed especially when they observed her tearless eye and calm manner when she parted from him their boat remained alongside till the brig was well out of the harbour as long as any one could be discerned on board a figure was seen standing at the stern watching them as they pulled back alec did not speak all seemed a dream to him but yesterday he thought himself the happiest of mortals now stella was gone and to what fearful dangers might she not be exposed rogers and adair wished to divert his thoughts and began to talk of the missing midshipmen the captain gives them three days more and if the drogher does not appear at the end of that time he intends to send the tutor to look for them said jack i regret allowing tom to go for when a number of youngsters are together they are sure to get into mischief we found it so occasionally in our younger days to be sure observed adair i too am sorry i let gerald go however higson is a steady fellow and i hope has taken good care of them when houghton heard that we were becoming anxious about the youngsters he offered to send his schooner the swordfish to look for them observed murray rousing himself up if i can get leave from babacombe and i am sure he will give it to escape having to take the tutor to sea i will go in the schooner she is far better fitted for cruising among the islands than the corvette and will be more likely to find the drogher a good idea of yours alec and i will go with you as i am sure to get leave said jack adair wished that he could go also but he and rogers could not be away from the ship together for any length of time jack and terence like true friends stuck close to alec for the remainder of the day doing their utmost to keep him from brooding over his unhappiness his feelings they knew were too deep to allow them to banter him as they would probably have done under ordinary circumstances End of chapter 7